Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. Well, let's pray first. Father, we just welcome the presence, even as we were singing tonight, we welcome the presence and ministry of the Holy Spirit. Abba, Father, we thank you that he is the spirit of truth. Can everybody give God praise for that? And Father, we thank you that we can yield to and have confidence in what the Holy Spirit instructs us us in regarding your word. And Father, we all open our hearts to you tonight. We want to learn. We want to grow. We want to be changed from one degree of glory to another, even as your word has promised. So God, thank you for ministering to each one here that have come and to those that are online tonight. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. 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 You may be seated. Hallelujah. Now, wow, what a subject matter, teaching on the tenets of faith. That's what we're going to begin with tonight. Um, I think the one thing that uh, any loving, gracious pastor or pastors would want from his congregation is that they be confident and reassured that what is being taught from the Word of God is accurately as best we can. If you agree, say amen. And when I think about Scripture, you know, when I think about, uh, you know, uh, the Bible, or we're going to learn tonight, uh, specifically targeting the Scriptures, that um, uh, not, we always think about what kind of church are we, you know, non-denominational, full gospel, you know, the very things that we try to identify with what we are as a church, um, because we're not a Lutheran church or a Catholic church or a Methodist church, but, um, you know, so, so are we... Uh, are you in danger to be here? And how many were raised in some form of denomination? And, and that's fine. You learned uh, certain things that helped you. And, uh, and so therefore we understand that to grow or be, to be willing to grow, you need to have someone who will take you on that journey so you can grow. And so after 52 years of reading scripture, studying the Bible and keep learning uh, that uh, we can bring to you an assurance that that we do take the Word of God very seriously and uh, want to help you uh, to uh, discern and interpret the Scriptures accurately so that you can walk in the fullness of what God has for you as a believer. Can I have an amen? Amen. So we want you, I, I wrote this down, God wants you to be scripturally sound so that you can be spiritually strong. Amen, not good. He wants he wants you to be scripturally sound so that you can be spiritually strong. Hallelujah. And then someone said to me years ago, and uh, it helped me. If you're teachable, you're reachable. Sometimes you'll hear something you go, well, I'm not sure. You know, you know that I'm not sure I see it that way. Well, that's fine. Just go ahead and shelf it, and then God will minister to you as you grow. Can I have an amen? And, uh, but it's important to be that way. I love what Brother Higgin told us years ago. Uh, we're so honored to be under him before he passed away. And he, he said that, you know, when you listen to, uh, you know, spiritual leaders, uh, eat the hay, but spit out the sticks. Now, how many believe that the Holy Spirit truly is the spirit of truth? Amen. Amen. And, and what does that mean? That means he's going to protect you. And he's not going to just let you get into something stupid. Uh, because If you're really relying on him, uh, then he's going to guide you in, into all truth. Or the truth, uh, or let's just say this, the truth that you're able to uh, uh, you know, receive at this moment in your life as a believer. 
And um, let me give you tonight, so we're going to talk about the tenets of faith, which um, are on, we don't have them on the line, online. Oh, let me just say this, first of all, I know Randy was going to say it, but I want to say it, that uh, the roof is completed and it's all paid for. And it's all paid for. And so... Uh, it, it totaled about 48000 with everything, and it's all taken care of. So we give God praise and, th- and, and thank every one of you for being so gracious to, um, to, uh, to make the sacrificial giving uh, available so that we could have this paid for. And uh, I really do believe that God doesn't want uh, the church to be in debt, and he doesn't want you to be in debt. And, you know, when we were raising this, I told Randy this, I said, you know, uh, when, when we have an opportunity to give financially into sit, a situation, God isn't just thinking about this church. He's thinking about you. Because in the future, you never know what you're going to need, uh, what's going to come up financially for you. And here you have that your, your faith and love uh, uh, and your giving preceded this crisis or whatever you're going to have need of in the future. And God will make sure you're taken care of. If you agree, say amen to that. Amen. So I wanted to make that announcement, praise the Lord. Another thing, about this picnic that we want to do or this fall festival, um, the church literally has to pay for 300 um, people. Yeah, you know, uh, and so uh, we'd like to get close to that. Last year, I think we had 280, so we only had to pay 20 extra, you know, uh, that weren't there. And so, and again, we're not trying to push something on you. If the congregation as a whole thinks, ah, you know, we don't have time to be, you know, be involved in this, you know, then we'll go ahead and cancel it. But, but, uh, but we do like to make it available so that we can fellowship together and have fun together, laugh together. You, can I have an amen? Just enjoy some time together. So consider that. And, um, and uh, same with the women's conference. It costs us to have a women's conference. It always costs us far more than whatever comes in. Always does. That's why during the year, we do always set aside money for these special events, whether it's a women's conference or a men's conference. And, uh, but it's such a blessing if everybody gets signed up and get involved and to make it something special. I always remember this. When we have events like this, like the women's conference, it, it's... it's um, it, it, just don't only think about yourself. Think about the people around you uh, that you can join and be an encouragement to, uh, to the women that uh, are coming. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that there. Praise the Lord. So let's talk about the tenets of faith. First of all, let's talk about the definition of the word tenet. It's a principle or a doctrine or a belief held as truth. Okay, that's what a tenet is. Um, as far as the doctrine, every church has a doctrine. And so does Faith Family Church. And it is found in our tenets of faith, we call them. The word doctrine, in that definition, means a set of beliefs held by and taught held and taught by a church, uh, a set of beliefs, listen, originating from, originating from the Holy Scriptures. Uh, okay, that's where we get ours from. And, and the doctrine of Faith Family Church um, is, is in this list of what we call the tenets of faith. They're truths, listen, these are spiritual truths which we believe and embrace, listen, through the interpretation of Scripture. Okay, and um, that's why sometimes, you know, uh, uh, you have to take things by faith. Um, You have to accept and receive and embrace uh, uh, the tenets of faith from a church that you believe line up with what what the script, not so much line up with what you believe, but line up with what the scriptures say. To me, that yeah, that's the most important thing, uh, and and we'll go through all these scriptures tonight as many as we can, uh, and um, to really solidify this 
this truth in your heart regarding uh, the doctrine of faith family church. Now, I'm going to begin in, in Galatians 1. Why? Paul was adamant here in Galatians. When he wrote this letter, he was adamant that what he received from the Lord regarding the gospel was the truth. Paul, Paul was, he was adamant about it. And number two, he was adamant about exposing those who were corrupting the minds of the new believers. And, and in this case, there were Christian Jews that were propagating a false gospel that you, you, even though you're born again, you had to be circumcised. In other words, they were trying to revert them back under the law. And so Paul was really frustrated with this that was happening. He wanted to stop it before it spread. So here's what he said in Galatians 1. It's on the screen. Our mar- I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Wow, that's pretty powerful, a pretty powerful statement. Let a curse come upon him. And then he actually repeats it again. If anyone preaches any other gospel than what I've taught you, let him be accursed. Boy, I tell you, Paul had to be confident that what he heard, he heard from the Holy Ghost. Can I have an amen? And so he's either arrogant or he's accurate. And I believe Paul, of course, was anointed by God to give us what has been changing our lives. So through the centuries, of course, there have been those that have tried to pervert or twist the gospel, try to make it say something it really doesn't. And... um, uh, there's all sorts of another gospels that are being preached today, and I could go through a few of them, but it doesn't matter. But what, years ago, we heard that somebody preaching, well, if you're not baptized into the name of Jesus only, it didn't count. It's just the dumbest things. I, or, um, you know, we were taught, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but we were taught that, that uh, um, if you were water baptized as a baby, that, that secured your salvation. That was your entry into eternal life, which is not, that's, that, uh, that is not a gospel that we preach. Amen. And uh, yeah, it's not the scriptures. Exactly right. Or we talk, uh, or, or there uh, were those today that believe that, if I was talking to someone who, I have a family member believes us, that if you're not water baptized, your salvation is not complete. And so you have all sorts of things out there being taught. And um, uh, we believe that as long as you're born again, whether you're baptized or not, you'll go to heaven. Amen. We believe that's what the scriptures say. Okay, let's continue. Anyway, if as we're teaching tonight, if you have any questions at all, that write them down. You know, I'll I'll try to answer them. I don't know everything, but we do know a few things, and and try to help you. Praise the Lord. First Timothy six three. This is Paul writing. No, no. This is Paul writing to Timothy, who was the pastor of a very large congregation of believers in Ephesus. And Ephesus was filled with idolatry and corruption. And here's what he said: If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to the wholesome, that word wholesome means a sound, uncorrupted, the uh, wholesome, sound, uncorrupted words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. The words of who? Yeah, our Lord Jesus Christ. The words of, I want you to catch that. I want you to capture that. The words of who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It's very important. And to the doctrine which accords with godliness. And when I read that, so there is a doctrine that ties in holiness with it, okay? 
Why did Peter, he wrote, except a man be holy, he shall not see the Lord. You'll not have the clarity of spiritual perception to see the things you need to see to have victory in your life. So holiness is important. Holiness is not uh, a woman not shaving her legs or, or not putting makeup on. Brother Hagen says, if the bar needs painting, paint it. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, um, but, but holiness is of the heart. Amen. Amen. And uh, well, let's go on. So when Paul, when I read that, I, I, this scripture came to me in the book of Jude. And, here, and I won't re, I'll read it in a moment. But it, is it possible that when Paul wrote this letter, he may have been aware of what Jude was dealing with regarding the sexual immorality seeping into the churches where he was. Here's what Jude wrote. Dear friends, I've been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share, but now I find that I must write about something else. I have no idea what he was going to share, but he had to change the direction of his letter. He says this, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all uh, time to his holy people. What kind of people? Holy. Amen, holy people. So I say this, watch this, because some ungodly people, there, there are some ungodly Christians who have wormed their way into your churches saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. That's something? Well, not any different today, but this is what was going on. So this might have been on Paul's mind when he, he's writing to Timothy. Back to 1 Timothy 6, verse 3. So if anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine or the set of beliefs, that's what that word means, which accords with godliness. He is, for that person who don't listen, he's proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments. In other words, he's unteachable. How many of you have ever tried to talk to somebody about the Bible, but they're unteachable? Amen. Amen. They, they just, they're, they're arrogant, they're rebellious, they're unteachable. We've had it recently. Sit down to talk with someone about the scriptures, and they were just absolutely unteachable. They, and, and what was grievous about it is that they were button heads with me who've been studying the scriptures for 52 years, and they've been studying the scriptures for two years. So in their arrogance, their rebellion flourished, and they just wouldn't listen, okay? And uh, he's proud, as the Bible says, uh, he's obsessed with the disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men and women, of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such, withdraw yourself. So here we got, he's addressing this situation where there are people, and of course, you got to remember the Jews, how many believe the Jews believed in prosperity? Amen. They believed. Why? Because it was God's will that as they walked with him, they would increase and prosper. But there was a gospel out there saying that, hey, you know, that, um, um, uh, that says that, um, I want to get back to that, that godliness, uh, godliness or, uh, creates, uh, creates prosperity. Or, or let me say it this way. Let me read it again. He says that godliness is a means of gain. All right. So let's, let's go to. Continue. So now godliness with contentment, Paul says, is great gain. Godliness with what? Contentment. And today, I mean, it's tough today as Americans. Why? Because we're, we are being seduced every hour uh, on TV of the things that we don't have, but we should have. And so, we're, we're, you know, so we're always being baited not to be content. 
So Paul's addressing this. He says, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Watch this. And having food and clothing, having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those, those who? Those Christians who desire to be rich fall into, who desire, same thing, they say they're, it doesn't say they are, they just desire to be. Their whole focus is on this. They've left their first love and their focus is only on what they can get materially. They fall into, who desire to be rich, fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drowned men and women into destruction and perdition. That word perdition means spiritual ruin. That's not what I want for my life. I'd hate to come to the end of my life and live in a nice home with a nice car, but have lost my walk with God. Not, not that you can't have both, but it's the heart. It's what you're pursuing after. For the love, here it is. It didn't say money. It says for the love of money. And that doesn't just mean rich people. Anybody can have a love for money. And that they're just obsessed with God have money. And so what do they do? They put God on the back burner. They put the word of God on the back burner. They put church on the back burner. They put serving in church on the back burner. Okay? And this is what he's talking about. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some, some believers have strayed from, in the, in, in, from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, this is Paul, said, Timothy, you... Man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith. I've seen pastors get into, and I'm not putting anything down, but they get into the multi-level marketing, and they completely, completely are distracted by what they're trying to get naturally that they lose the anointing for that which is spiritual. I think, I'm not sure where it says, but they that live by the, preach the gospel shall live by the gospel. And, and not that you can't, and there are preachers that have businesses, not that you can't have that, but it's all about the intent of the heart. Can I have an amen? And so he goes, so flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Well, now what does that even mean? Don't get focused on the temporal. Fight the good fight of faith. Keep your heart on the eternal things, okay? Uh, uh, it says, lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And I wrote this down. I think it's important. If your inward passion is driven by your love for God and an immense longing to know him, how, on, how, how many want to know God more than anything? Then, the, then when the natural things come into your life, those things won't have you. That's what happened to the rich young ruler. He had no idea that he was snared by the temporal. Until Jesus put the test to him. How many believe Jesus wanted that man wealthy spiritually and naturally? Of course he did. He, yeah. But he, he never, the Bible says he left grieved. And the Bible says Jesus loved him. But Jesus didn't chase after him. Why? Because this man deemed the eternal things of God of lesser value than the temporal things. Amen. We have way today so much corruption when it comes to the prosperity message. And uh, because, I mean, personally, I've had a lot of thought-provoking things regarding this subject. Because um, the first thing that Jesus dealt with, the first thing he dealt with was the provision, the natural provision of his disciples. What did he say? He said, don't even take thought for your life. 
what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to don't even, don't even think about it. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. I cannot at all find a scripture in the Bible that Paul talks about uh, uh, financial prosperity. He always talked about God meeting his needs, that God was more than enough. But how many agree that if you hadn't eaten for three days and you've got a Big Mac and a side of fries, you're prospering pretty good? I'm just saying, you know, we just, I just get grieved in my heart when it comes to the, you know, the, the, just the off-balanced messages of prosperity. Do I believe God wants you to be blessed? Absolutely. But that, that is so de- that's determined by so many things. It's determined, uh, it's determined by your heart attitude. It's determined by your income. It's determined by, you know, the kind of job you have. There's many things involved. It isn't just uh, God is a, you know, a, you know, a slot machine and, boy, I gave my, I gave my tithe. You know, and, and you, 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 no, there's so many things to this. Are you still with me or are you ready to leave? <laughs> Amen. Yeah. I just want everybody to, 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 you know, get the right focus on what God, how many believe God loves you and wants to bless your life exceedingly? Absolutely. He really does. And um, so we need to focus, keep our faith in him first and foremost. All right. In Paul's second letter to Timothy, he must have known that Timothy was being spiritually swayed, especially as he witnessed the personal assaults on Paul's life. And can you imagine being a young preacher, and you got this man who's sending you letters about uh, the revelation of Christ and, you know, the res- death and resurrection, and yet he's, I mean, you read Paul's life, my, he had to look like a mess. He was beaten so bad, scarred so bad. I mean, I don't think there's a human being except for Jesus that suffered more than Paul externally in his body. So in Timothy's mind, he's like, my goodness, am I really supposed to follow this guy? And if I do, will I end up like him? So I'm sure he was shaken. So Paul writes to Timothy. This is chapter 3, verse 10. Here's what he says. Now, Timothy, thou hast fully known my doctrine. There's that word again. My set of beliefs, okay? My manner of life, my purpose... My faith, long-suffering, which means forbearance, charity, you know the love, the love walk that I, 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 I walk, the patience, that word means cheerful endurance. Watch this, persecutions, plural, afflictions, plural, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. Just let me stop and say this. I mean, there are churches today that would not follow a preacher who is going through this kind of stuff. Why? Because he's got to be doing something wrong. There has to be sin in his life for him to be suffering in this kind of measure. Come on. Kind of, I mean, you can think that. You know, If it wasn't for his bad luck, he'd have no luck at all. And so, you know, but that wasn't the case. Paul was telling Timothy, Timothy, this is, this is the journey that... I've chosen to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Persecutions, afflictions came unto me in those three cities. Watch this. What persecutions I endured, not avoided. I endured, not avoided. But out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Now you can shout hallelujah. But not till he endured. Paul could have backed out, left, right, and said, I ain't preaching this, man. My body's bleeding. I hurt. Uh, No, forget it. Let somebody else preach this. No, he paid the price, and God delivered them out of them all. He goes on and says this. Yea, and all that will 
And I just, I just add this word to, who will to. <laughs> Say, I will to. <laughs> they that, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. See, we don't want to hear that, but it is true. But evil men, or those propagating other gospels, and seducers, that word means imposters, shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Verse 14, but Timothy, you continue. You continue, thou, in the things which you've learned, and has been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. You're going to watch this. This is all good. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures... What are the Holy Scriptures? I want you to stop and really think about this. And we'll show you from Scripture that it is true what I'm about to say. Here's what I believe the Holy Scriptures were. The Messianic prophecies and the Sermon on the Mount. Because when Paul wrote this, these letters hadn't been dispersed yet. We get so, we read this and get confused sometimes. You know what I'm saying? You know, wow. They had all six. No, they didn't. They didn't have they, they had the old covenant. They had the Pentateuch. They had the Psalms and the Proverbs, right? They had the, the judges, the, excuse me, the letters of the prophets. But they didn't have anything that Paul, they, a few of them had the letters that Paul was written, right? He wrote to the church at, you know, the churches he wrote to, Rome, wrote churches, uh, Corinth, uh, Ephesus, uh, Colossae, uh, Philippi, right? Uh, uh, Thessalonica, all you know. So he's writing these letters, but you got to understand this letter was for Timothy. They didn't have email, so I just want you to capture, you know, the, the environment here of which he's writing this. So knowing, uh, and that from a child you have known the holy scriptures, which I believe the messianic prophecies. Throughout the Old Testament and, and the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus taught, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, all scripture, what does that mean? All scripture, I believe this is what it means. All scripture that points to salvation in Christ Jesus. All scripture. Do you remember Paul? Oh, you guys are thinking. Do you remember the Apostle Paul? He was called to preach to the Gentiles. But what was Paul when he was Saul? But yeah, he was Jewish. Right. I mean, he, right? And his mission was to destroy the church. All right? So that, that, was his, that was his mission. So when he talks about all scripture, he was not referencing the old covenant. He was referencing the new covenant. Remember I said that? The Old Covenant contains 39 books, or I'd like to say letters. The New Testament has, um, what, 27 uh, books uh, uh, or letters, yeah? And remember what the Holy Spirit said to me? He says, we, we learn from the Old Covenant, but we live in the New Covenant. So if you get some of your doctrine from the Old Covenant, you get mixed up. You, it gets diluted. It gets, it gets twisted. Because the Old Covenant was written for the Jews. I mean, the Old Covenant, you know, it's a great story. The Old Covenant uh, is it's filled, with, filled with, first of all, it t- talks about the fall. It talks about, uh, I love what God said right away to, 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 um, 
to Lucifer. He said, the seed of the woman's going to crush your head. I mean, that was a messianic prophecy right there. Praise God. That was, I mean, it was nothing. I mean, hey, and God didn't retreat. Uh, 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 that, he didn't take that word back. Hallelujah. And so even though it took 4,000 years for it to take place. And of course, then we know that righteousness was, was there was a righteous man in the earth, Noah. And we know that. And what did God do? Say, God, I want you to, uh, no, I want you to build an ark for the saving of your house. Just like you. You're here tonight because you're building an ark for the saving of your household. Amen. Amen. And so, uh, so he did. And we know, you know the story. The rains fell 40 days and 40 nights. And uh, of course, uh, Noah and his family were spared. And then, of course, time went on. And all of a sudden, God spoke to a man by the name of Abraham, another righteous man in the earth. Somebody shout hallelujah. I mean, you know, there had to be a righteous man in the earth. And um, out of Abraham, we know, was birthed the nation of Israel, right? Abraham uh, and his wife could not have children. And uh, so eventually, once they, you know, once they stayed in faith for 25 years, and out, out of that came Isaac, to which Jesus, the seed of Abraham, came forth our Redeemer and our Savior. Are you with me so far? And so then, of course, then we had the whole story of Israel. When they walked with God, their life was blessed. When they refused to walk with God, their life was cursed. God didn't curse them. They cursed themselves. And then through that whole journey, you know, thank God. I mean, my goodness, there were times it looked like they weren't going to make it. But God always, listen, God always remembered his covenant with Abraham. And he would deliver his people. And they'd get in line, and they'd walk with them, and all of a sudden, they were seduced by all, just like we are today, seduced by all the idolatry around them. So what they do? They'd fall away from God. So what happened? They end up in bondage again, which God never will, but their choices determined the quality of life that they ended up living. Are you with me so far? Amen. So through that whole journey, through the prophets, through the, uh, you know, through the prophets, they, uh, the, every, there are, there are uh, over 300 uh, messianic prophecies in the Bible. Messianic prophecy is what? A prophet prophesying that a Messiah was coming. Okay. And all those messianic prophecies, praise God, that God was speaking his will into the earth. Amen. Until one day, hallelujah, God found a virgin. God found a woman of faith who would carry the seed of God in her womb and bring forth our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Isn't that good? Praise the Lord. So we don't live. We learn from the old covenant, but we live in the new covenant. The new covenant of the redeeming grace of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. How many, how many here, your faith, your faith is totally in God for your salvation. Amen. You know, we're not... You know, yes, we want to be, we want to be God-like, we want to be Christ-like, we, we want to, you know, do things right, but God also knows that we live in a damnic body and that, that uh, fights, against, fights against the very nature of God, but on the other hand, he gave us his spirit and he gave us his word so we could conquer those impulses of the flesh and, and live an upright life before God. Oh, this is, I don't know, I'm, I'm just enjoying this, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. So, where did I end up? Hallelujah. All right. So let's talk. All right. I'll just, all right. Let's talk about then the doctrine. Um, okay. I wrote this down. So, in the four gospels, so, we're, so we'll talk about in the next few minutes, only a few minutes, we're going to talk about the first, the first tenet of faith, which is the Holy Scriptures, okay? Say the Holy Scriptures. Holy Scriptures. Amen. 
and, or the scriptures, and they are holy. And, but what are the holy scriptures? First of all, listen to this. In the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, why do I say that? Because sometimes people come to church, they don't know what the four gospels are. Amen. So, uh, and that's, I mean, I didn't know what they were. Uh, we kid about our great friends, Russ and Cindy Kellenberg, who passed her up in Brainerd. When they went to Ramah, she, she, did, she did, you know, you'd ask her who Matthew, Mark, and Luke were. They thought probably a new rock band. They had no idea. She didn't know any books of the Bible or nothing, you know. And, and, but praise God. Hallelujah. They're still pastoring a church at the uh, same time as we. They started the same Sunday that we did. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four Gospels. Listen, in those four Gospels, God's plan of redemption is recorded and revealed. His plan of redemption. Through the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So you can learn, by studying the Gospels, you can learn about the life and ministry of Jesus. And because it is the same yesterday, today, and forever, what he did then, he will do now. All right, I just want you to know that. Praise the Lord. And then in the four Gospels, Jesus is revealed as both the Son of God and the Son of Man, okay? And also, finally, in those four Gospels is revealed his humanity, his divinity, and his doctrine, his doctrine. So let's talk about his doctrine for a little bit. Luke, the fourth chapter. Are you bored? Are you getting anything out of this tonight? I I hope, I hope so. Luke, the fourth chapter, verse 16. Now, this is the doctrine of Jesus, so when he came to Nazareth, where he had grown up, he went into the synagogue, as he always did on the Sabbath. I love this. this is the Passion Translation. As he always did on the Sabbath. Okay? So when Jesus came to the front to read the scriptures, he was handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. All right? So he unrolled the scroll, uh, scroll and found where... Now, there are many, many verses in Isaiah, but he literally targeted one. The Holy Spirit said, Son, I want you to... Go to the chapter 60, even though there was not a chapter, you know. He rolled down the scroll until he found Isaiah 61. Uh, and this is what, so he says it here, okay? And, um, and he said, he found where it was written, verse 18, 19. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to be hope for the poor, spiritual poor, it's talking about, and healing for the brokenhearted, and new eyes for the spiritually blind, and to preach to Spiritual prisoners, you are set free. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That's good news. I have come to share the message of Jubilee for the time of God's great acceptance has begun. Hallelujah. Can you imagine? I mean, how excited. And if you'd have just stopped there. I mean, if you'd have just stopped there, it'd been fine. But he, he had to go on and get in trouble. Amen. But he, uh, it, uh, he went on, you know, to say, this day, this is fulfilled in your ears. What'd they do? Uh, I mean, they picked him up and carried him out to a cliff to throw him over. Yeah. You can't kill God. Right. <laughs> now, he gave his life, but you can't kill him. Right. <laughs> Can I have an amen? amen? Hallelujah. So this is the hope-filled doctrine that has changed our lives today, has been changing lives for 2,000 years. And these, right here, Luke 4, these are the Holy Scriptures that Jesus brought into a broken world. Holy scriptures, okay? Romans 1, Paul writing to uh, the believers in Rome, and, and he confirmed what the holy scriptures are. This is Romans 1, 1 through 4. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, watch this, separated unto the gospel of God. 
Very interesting phrase. The gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Again, I just want you to think by the prophets in the Holy by the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Amen. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning what? His son, Jesus Christ. So he's got to be referencing the Messianic prophecies. Are you with me? I mean, I just want you to, I want you to be inspired by the fact that if you're going to study the Old Testament, yeah, you can learn from it, but focus on this wonderful thing called God's promise of redeeming man, and, and, and to do that, he had to prophesy through every prophet that a Messiah was coming, a Messiah is coming, a Messiah is coming, hallelujah, and those who recognized they needed the Messiah, and they held onto that promise, they were actually preserved, their faith preserved them spiritually. Spiritually, and when they died, they went into Abraham's bosom. And when Jesus rose from the dead, hallelujah, they come flying out of there, praise God. Woo! Good stuff, huh? Ah, this is so exciting. See, sometimes we're so afraid, you know, of hearing something that, you know, so comes against the grain of what we think is true. We're so afraid of learning. But I want you to focus on it because if you think, you, all of a sudden you think, you know, that everything in the Old Testament, you know, was originated from the mind of God. No, a lot of it originated from the mind of men. See, the Bible is the inspired word of God. Now listen, but Jesus is the infallible word of God. That's something to chew on, isn't it? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right. So you can see the Holy Scriptures, again, refer to the Messianic prophecies uh, that God promised regarding our Savior. Hallelujah. All right. Let's continue. Uh, Okay. Let me start over. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God, what does gospel mean? Yeah. The good news of God, which he promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, okay, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. Amen. In in his letter to the Thessalonians, in chapter uh, 1 Thessalonians 2, here's what Paul said uh, regarding the Holy Scriptures. He calls them the Word of God. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preach to you, what again? The gospel of God. Verse 13. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received, received what? The word of God. And who's the word of God? Jesus Jesus is the word of God. Amen. Amen. John 1, in the beginning, Genesis 1, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word. Amen. And all things were created by the word. Praise God. And then verse 14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus 
is, was, always has been the living word of God. We have the written word of God, but he's the living word of God. Isn't that good? So my question to you, what is, I mean, I'll trick you, then don't answer it, but just think about it. What's more important, the written word of God or the living word of God? Just think about that. But think about that. I like what you said, honey. I'll comment, I'll comment. She, she just said they're one. I'll, I'll comment on that. For this reason, it says, we also thank God without ceasing because when you receive the word of God, which is Jesus, okay, which you heard from us, you welcomed it. What? What did you welcome? The gospel of God. Not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectually works in you who believe. Now, Honey, I'm going to make that point right now. What is more important, the written word of God or the living word of God? Listen to this. Though the scribes and Pharisees knew the written word of God, though they knew the written word of God, they didn't know the living word of God. In fact, he was face to face with them. God was face to face with the scribes and Pharisees. And they knew, man, they could quote scripture, but they never recognized the living word of God. So you know that there's more to it than just a letter. Because when you open your heart to the will of God, the letter becomes living. Remember, Paul says, the letter killeth, but the spirit gives life. Isn't that good? So I just, I mean, this is so, this is so, you know, kind of, Strike your thinking a little bit. So what is more important? You know, what is, is, is the more important, the letter of the law or the spirit of the law? See? Well, I want the spirit of the law. I want the living word in my life changing me so that I'm more Christ-like in my life. We'll wind up here, okay? So listen to this. In the 52 years of serving the Lord, Pastor Vicki and I, along with our family, have known Christians who, like the Pharisees, they knew the written word of God, but they didn't know the living word of God. Seriously. Years and many, many years ago, I had a guy, man, he could quote me under the chair. He could quote scripture. I mean, he, I mean, it was just intimidating. He could quote scripture, man, and embarrass me. I mean, just put me under the chairs. He knew the written word of God, but he didn't know the living word of God. Because if you don't know the living word of God, he would have, it would have manifested in his life. So, so it's important. I want to know the living word of God. Amen. Amen. Yes, of course. I want to know the written word, of course. But what is the written word of God? And that's, again, well, you stop. what is the written word of God? Well, first and foremost, I believe the Messianic prophecies. I believe the Sermon on the Mount. And I believe Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote all these letters so that we could know how to live as Christians. That's what the epistles are for. The epistles are, those are letters Paul wrote, so you and I could learn how to live as Christians, what to, how to talk, how to act as Christians. Otherwise, we wouldn't have no guideline, would we? Yes, we would have Jesus. Jesus, I mean, his gospel. In one word, what was the gospel of Jesus? In one word? It was love. Absolutely. Amen. So, thank you, Lord. So Jesus came.
born of the virgin, uh, grew up under the household of Joseph, his stepfather, um, had the blood of his heavenly father inside of him uh, because that was the blood that would justify every sinner. And so we believe that Jesus uh, lived 33 and a half years. The last three and a half years that he lived, he ministered to which we see in the gospels. Okay. And uh, then of course he willingly went to the cross and shed his blood for us. And he willingly went to the grave, willingly went to hell, but was raised from the dead, praise God, so that you and I could have eternal life. Why don't you give him a good shout of praise? Give him a good shout of praise. Hallelujah. Amen. So, I wanted to get into the Trinity. And uh, you, got, you got like six more minutes? I'll, I'll be real quick with the Trinity. Okay. It's, it's, it's Trinity. You cannot accept the Trinity with your carnal mind. You have to accept it for what it is. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one. Amen. I mean, it's just you have to accept, but we'll read some scriptures that will confirm this. In the book of Genesis, let's go Genesis 1, just a couple of verses, and then we'll, we're going to close in John 17. Genesis, I, I hope you're enjoying this tonight. Amen. Just, just uh, thank you, my friend. Praise God. Just for the fact that you want to learn and you want to grow. Praise God. So don't spend your time in the old covenant. You spend all your time in the new covenant. That's, that's the New Testament. You understand? Amen. Now, in Genesis 1, we're only going back to the show of, of, of the Trinity. In Genesis 1, in verse 26, it says this, that God said, let us, say us. He said, let us make man in our, say our, image and after our likeness and let them have dominion. And so it shows right there there's more than one. Okay. And in verse 1, the Bible says that in the beginning God made the heaven and the earth. We know chapter 2, a calamity hit the earth when Satan was cast down to the earth. This is what I believe anyway, according to Revelation chapter 12. And then the, but the Bible says the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Hey, listen, wherever the Spirit of God is, there's a promise of life. There's a promise of hope. And what was he waiting for? He was waiting for the Word of God. And when God said, let there be a light, hallelujah, the darkness fleed, did it not? Amen. Amen. And so we see that the spirit was there in the beginning. God was there. And then the Bible says when creation happened, specifically with man, it says that the Lord God formed man. And Jesus has always been Lord. He's had that, he had that title before he came into the earth Amen. as a man. He's always been Lord. So when it talks about Lord God in there in Genesis, where it talks about it during, uh, it talks about when he made man, the Lord God, plant, the Lord God formed man with the dust of the ground. The Lord God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The Lord God planted a garden, and the Lord God put him into the garden. So that was Jesus. I believe that. That was the second person of the Godhead. So the Trinity, the Trinity, the Trinity is, is what it is. It is. God is three in one. And if you agree, say amen to that. In John 10, just throw these out. John 10, 30, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. In John 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Hallelujah. And Philip said, well, Lord, show us the Father. Knock, knock. Anybody home? He just told him. 
Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and it, will, and it is sufficient for us. It'll suffice us. And Jesus said, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me? Me? He just said, show us the Father. I've been with you. Here I am. See, isn't that, that'll confuse you. People have said to me, well, you know, when you pray, who do you pray to? You know, because Jesus made a statement in the book of John. When you pray, pray to the Father in my name, right? You know? But, um, I mean, so we get a little bit confused, you know? Um, the, the, the Holy Spirit, how many believe the Holy Ghost is living inside of you? How many believe he's a real person? Amen. And what does he want? He wants to be involved in every part of your life, every part, the little things. Amen. Seriously. Uh, if I'm looking for a tool, looking for your keys, sir, where are those at? If you'll listen, he'll tell you. Amen. I mean, he's a, he wants to be involved. So the Holy Spirit lives in you. God is enthroned in heaven. And Jesus, now listen to this. Jesus, according to scripture, has an earth suit like us. Okay. He said that to Mary, right? Flesh and bone. A spirit doesn't have flesh and bone like, bone like I have. So when he rose from the dead, he stayed on the earth for 40 days instructing his disciples. And, and they touched him. Wow, yeah, he's real. He's real. And what did he do? They watched him ascend to heaven. I said they watched him ascend to heaven. He, he, he's a, he, the, the second person of the Godhead is seated at the right hand of God. Listen, he's our high priest. He's our intercessor. He's our mediator. He's our advocate. He, he's a merciful high priest. I mean, he's everything that we need as far as our relationship with the Father. I just want you to understand that. And I'll be talking to God, and I'll, say, and I'll be talking to the Heavenly Father, and then I'll say, Lord Jesus Thank you, sir. Thank you that the scars that you, the scars are still in your hands and your feet and in your side for the price you paid for me. Thank you so much for doing that. Amen. We don't have to get confused. We, we don't have to be afraid that if we talk to Jesus, the Father's going to get mad. <laughs> I'm just, does this help you, anybody? Or, if we, or if we're talking to the Holy Spirit, Jesus gets jealous. No, it's the deity. It's the Trinity. Three in in one. Amen. That's what it says. So he, Jesus went on and says, he who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? Oh, it's so clear. The words that I speak to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me, he does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. So I'm telling you, it was uh, something to get through to guys that weren't born again, the reality that God was standing in front of them. God had spent three and a half years with them. Imagine that. I can't imagine how it must have felt. When they watched him ascend to heaven. Well, I know what they did. They, in fact, the scriptures say it. They believed he was going to return in their lifetime. So they said, hey, we better get to work. And, the, and they, history says that they changed all of Asia at that time in history. What a powerful force. Amen. Thank you, Lord. 1 John 5, verse 7 says, There are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. 
Amen. Amen. Let's stand for a moment. We'll pray. Thank you for giving me the time to get. Here's an assignment for all of you because I didn't have time to read it. I want you to read one of the most precious, listen, one of the most precious and tender portion of scripture in the Bible, and that is John 17. It's Jesus's prayer to the Father before he went to the cross. One of the most beautiful, heart-moving prayers. I mean, I've, I've cried reading it because I can't imagine what he must have been going through petitioning the Father on behalf of those that he had corralled together and, and made an impact on in the three and a half years of ministry. And Jesus really cries out to God to keep these precious ones. And of course, God did. Thank you, Father. So read that, John 17, all 26 verses, and the Lord will really bless you. What translation? Uh, New King James Version is what I was going to read, but it doesn't matter. Bow your head for a moment. Thank you, Father. So we've learned some things tonight. I want to reassure you there's not one thing There's not any hiding of anything that, you know, we believe, we're not going to tell. No, we believe the word of God. We believe the word of God is all through the Old and New Testament, God's promise of a redeemer. That's That's what the whole gospel is. It's the promise of a redeemer to come and save the world that he loved. And, of course, he accomplished that provision for us. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name given among men whereby you must be saved. And that word saved, we'll talk about that. Word salvation means more than just saved inside. God wants you saved in every area of your life. He wants you free. He wants to free you in every area of your life. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service at 9.30, as well as our midweek service on Wednesday nights at 7. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.